You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, I'm Molly Stewart, Twisties Treat of the Year, and you're listening to Holly Randall Unfiltered, sponsored by Twisties. Twisties is a leading glamour porn site for exclusively lesbian and girl-girl content. Since starting my journey with Twisties, I have shot some incredible scenes with some of the best girls, making some truly amazing fantasies come to life. For 18 years, they have featured the biggest names in the industry, recently rebranding to exclusively female content. Twisty stays focused on raising the bar of what modern porn looks like, while highlighting the up-and-coming talent of our generation. Their Treats of the Month and now Treat of the Year give viewers a taste of what their favorite girls are like under the wrapper. My journey since being their Treat of the Month in January of 2018 has been incredible, and I can't wait to see what they have in store for the future. To unwrap the hottest treats and mouthwatering scenes, visit twisties.com and find them on Twitter at twisties and Instagram at twisties treats. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to tell you guys about a really special event that my friend and fellow pleasure podcaster is co-hosting. She's Nicoletta from Sluts and Scholars, and she is co-hosting an event with burlesque star Michelle L'Amour. It's called Into Pleasure, and it's a day of online interactive classes to help you maximize your pleasure potential. Featuring diverse intimacy experts, this event is designed to help folks connect to their bodies through different pleasure practices. You can buy the whole day, for which you get an awesome gift bag as well, or you can pick individual classes. All of the in-depth details and info will be at intopleasure.com. The event is happening virtually on April 2nd from 9.30 a.m. until 5 p.m. So make sure that you guys go check it out. It sounds like it's going to be a really amazing experience. That's intopleasure.com. All right. So now let's introduce my guest. She is one of the hardest working women in the industry. She performs, she directs, and she does PR. She's been recognized as MILF of the Year, year after year. Welcome, Tanya Tate. Hi, Tanya. How are you? you. Hi, Holly. I'm great. Thanks for having me on here. It's so great to see you. (laughs) So um, I guess let's let's start from the beginning, like I do with a lot of my guests. Um, You're obviously from the UK. Uh, Tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you got into the adult industry and perhaps how um, the adult industry in the UK is different um, than it is in America. 
So I, I'm originally from Liverpool in the UK, which is the same place as the Beatles. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are like, who's that? <laughs> um, so I, I started off there. Um, I was working in an office and I'd kind of finished that job. And I was looking for, um, well, I'd finished a relationship, sorry. And I was looking for something more exciting in my life. And I was sitting there with a, a male friend and he put on a DVD in his house. And he was like, well, look at this. It was an adult X-rated DVD. And I was like, hmm, yeah, kind of sitting there, arms folded. And I, he was watching it, getting excited. And I was watching it thinking, oh, I could do that. And it was literally that kind of moment. And um, so I went and researched the UK market. Um, some of that research involved going into an adult store and getting the DVDs down and writing down from the back of the DVDs, the name of the studio, the name of the website, and reaching out and trying to contact them. And I reached out to a few different companies in the UK. Some of them liked me, invited me to London, shot me. And I made my first scene in the UK in 2008. Um, so I shot several scenes for several companies. Um, and by the time 2010 come, um, I was looking to make that next step. So I moved across to Los Angeles in America and started um, shooting for all the big production studios um, over here, where I am now, based in LA. Um, so it was kind of like taking the next step. And I'd say UK is kind of like really like a, just a small version of LA. You know, at the time, there were just a handful of studios, really. There were studios in Europe, um, but in the UK, it was just really just a handful. And to kind of like get that next step, I felt that I had to move um, somewhere different, to go somewhere different, to, you know, to get to get shooting with the recognized companies at that time you know they didn't have like outlets there wasn't like Brazzers or Tushy or anyone that was shooting outside of America um it, it, it to get in there you really had to kind of like move and moving across and then shooting for some of the big production companies you really saw the difference in the set you know big mansions um the sets the budgets were a lot bigger there seemed to be a lot more people that seemed to be more glamorous um so it's uk i'd say is kind of like a scaled down version of, mm. of the us tell us about your very first scene um do you remember who it was with what company it was for and like what were your thoughts going into it and what was that actual experience like my first scene was for a company called Joy Bear Pictures, where I it was kind of like made to be like a documentary. My name was Sue. Um, so some people are like, oh, it's Sue. Was, <laughs> and the guy that I was working with was a guy at the time, it was his first scene. Um, and oh wow, we, we were like, he turns up, I think it was it, I'm sure it was his first scene. I'm, I'm so sure it was. I'll have to ask him next time I see him. Um, you will now know him as Danny D. Um, oh, no way. <laughs> That's amazing. Because he's one of like the biggest male performers in the UK. That's incredible that you guys had your first scene together. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he, we both kind of came in and, you know, I was like thinking, oh, how is this going to go? It was a really small um 
I was in somebody's house, so it was really small crew. I think maybe just two guys and a makeup artist. Um, and just to go in there and then suddenly see the package of what you're going to be working with. You know, Danny D is very well endowed, very well endowed. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, yes, yeah, <laughs> it was a bit scary. And, you know, I kind of got into the scene and we started the scene and I just kind of felt a little bit like a deer in headlights. But I thought, you know what, just switch off, just enjoy the scene, enjoy what's happening. And when I look back at it, I, I can see I'm a bit, oh, with the, you can see in my eyes, I'm a bit like deer in headlights, but it also looked mm -hmm. pretty natural as well. So it ended up, it's quite enjoyable and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't as bad as I, anyone could ever think oh, your first scene on camera. I I think I just focused on what I was doing and just tried to forget about the cameras there. And it ended up being, you know, a really, a really decent scene for my first scene. Yeah. Well, and also like, especially if it was Danny's first scene or even one of his first, you know, handful of scenes, I mean, you know, for the guy, you know, it's obviously a little bit more difficult for him in certain respects, right? So yeah. how how was he? Did he was he just kind of a natural and like he was able to perform no problem? Um <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> well when you're very well endowed, you've got a there's there's a knack to keeping um the blood flow going mm. down there. So, you know, at the beginning you know, we all have little things that we work on. And, you know, for, for Danny, I, I think I, I've done scenes with him later and I think he progressively got a whole lot better at maintaining what he needed yeah. to do as a male performer, you know. And I think, you know, it, it worked. It, it definitely worked, you know. But I think as he progressed, it that, that was, you know, it was one of his first scenes. But yeah. from there to like now as a performer, he's a totally different performer. You know, now he's an yeah. extremely strong performer. Um, he's won many awards. He's, you know, contractors for one of the big companies. Um, he was known as Whitezilla. You know, it's he he's come a long way. Um, yeah. So I was, I feel like, you know, very blessed that we could help each other in, in that first scene, you know, and I, I did give him help to, to keep him. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to use my words, right? Aren't I? <laughs> trying to keep them for here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I've interviewed a lot of male performers and most of them struggle their first couple of scenes because it's, you know, it's very intimidating. It's a different experience and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you. So I'm always interested to hear, you know, how it goes for guys at the beginning. And then, you know, obviously, usually if I've interviewed them on my show, they've become great strong performers and just so that that you know that progression um is always super interesting so um so you you came over here and you started shooting for american companies um how did you was that your first time that you had ever been to la like how did you acclimate to american society was it very different from home for you um i i'd been to america before a couple of times los angeles um, Las Vegas, but coming on like holiday slash vacation mm -hmm. is different than coming over here to work and to live. 
Um, so I have to say, like LA and like LA, California, Southern California, they, you know, it's very similar to the UK, really. Um, the cultures, it's it's not really a lot of difference. It's just things that you have to get used to, you know, the customer service, the expectation of tipping on everything that you do, you know, did I just go to the toilet? Do I need to tip you? Because <laughs> in England, we tip when we get good service. In America, tipping is expected, even if the service yeah. is a load of crap, you know? Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's funny. I've actually been, I remember, you know, because I've been to England many times because my mom's from there. And I remember going to a pub once and and getting a drink and then leaving them a tip. And the bartender like chased me outside and he's like, oh, oh, you left your change on the table. And I was like, that was for you? And he was just like really <laughs> puzzled. It was just this, this, you know, interesting moment of like, you know, obvious, because you're right. If you, if you don't tip a bartender at an LA venue, even if they took an hour to get your drink, then you're never getting the next drink. It's very much expected here. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I remember one time before I even moved here, I'm being in Las Vegas on the car. They, they, um, valet had like picked the car up and drove it. And I get in the car and they were kind of like literally like hand out. And I'm like, are you sticking your hand out for? Where did you pay for this valet? And I didn't tip them because I didn't know. Yeah. And I can remember just yeah. door getting slammed. And I do just like look at discourse. And I was like, how rude. I rude that person because they expected a tip. It's the expectation. No, you yeah. know, you give you give good service and you get a tip. So that and I think there's the customer service in general is a different kind of culture as well. You know, I love when you kind of call like the UK bank and it's like they're all so nice and and um just general customer service in general in the UK is a, it's a lot higher standards. Um, mm -hmm. Different places you call in the US and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> you're not sure. <laughs> it's like you got what you wanted, but you're not going to get yeah. anything over and above, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I guess that was a little bit different. And, you know, British people, I'd say in general, are definitely more polite, please and thank you, and holding doors open. like in america we're at where the experience that i've had it's just like yeah you might get a please or a thank you you might just get the door just slammed in your face as you're walking through it <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah. but apart from that i'd say not not really a lot of difference you know the weather you know we have many yeah. many hours and days of sunshine in la and you know uk it's it's cold and rainy a lot of the time especially in the northwest but i have to yeah, say sometimes I, I i do miss that rain and i do miss that green grass yeah yeah that's true uh my husband my ex-husband was um well he was actually from nottingham but he had lived in manchester so we used to go visit manchester pretty often and i remember we went there i think in the winter and i couldn't believe it got dark at like 3 30 it's just oh, like yeah. oh my god dark really early and then it's still dark the next morning it's like eight o'clock yeah. it's like yeah. if it, i could be going to work when i worked in the office you know you come home in the dark and you get up and leave in the dark you know and then if it's rainy or it's foggy you're like oh <laughs> give me some yeah. real daylight what do you miss the most about the uk 
family and the people and the sense of humor it's like yeah I, I I will literally watch British shows. I'll watch soaps, UK soaps, Coronation Street, EastEnders, UK comedians. Um, you don't really get that in the, you know, the US. It's kind of a different kind of humor. And, um, it is. I remember watching The Office, the original Office with Ricky Gervais in the UK and thinking it was just so brilliant. And then watching the American version and like, not being as impressed. I think nobody does like awkward comedy the way the British do. Like they've yeah. got that, that down. It's pretty amazing. You can't translate it. You know, they, they, they changed the office into the American version. They did shameless, yeah. like shameless is, was based in Manchester in the UK about some like just messed up family. And it, you know, it was funny. And then they did it in America. And I was just like, ah, don't translate. They did yeah. Little Britain and changed that into Little America. The, the British humor, if you're trying to make it like an American version of a British comedy show, trust me, it's never going to work because Americans can't do British comedy. Yeah. It's just a, <laughs> it's a different, yeah, it's just a different, it's a different kind of comedy for sure. Um, all right. So what was the first what was the first scene that maybe you really were the proudest of? Like the first scene that you did that you felt really accomplished and that you had gotten somewhere in your career or maybe the first movie. You can ask me a question. I can't remember. (laughs) Do do you know what it is, Holly? It's like, it's been like, I don't even know how many years, at least a decade, at least a decade since I started shooting and there's just so many scenes that you've done and so many movies that stand out you know if you're asking me about something that was would would really stand out the most I'd have to say Tanya Tate's sex tour of Ireland um and it was it that's what it said on the tin it was a sex tour of me going around Ireland with my camper van and I met a load of Irish lads and we went to a load of different places um Tipperary, Cork, Dublin. Um, I can't remember where else we, we went to. Um, but it was literally going around and meeting these lads and inviting the lads in. Come on in, lads, come and make me camper van rock. And it, it was, you know, the Irish are a lot of fun. You know, I miss the, the, the British sense of humour. I'm from Liverpool. Liverpool, we have a lot of Irish settlers in. Um, people settled many years ago. And you know, the Irish and the Liverpool sense of humour are pretty similar. The lads, you had a great crack. You know, we had a crack with the Irish and they, they were a lot of fun. And from there, you know, the movie got produced and it appeared on Television X, which is like the UK TV channel. It's like a, a UK adult channel, you know, a pay-per-view or prescri- subscription kind of channel on your regular TV and suddenly, like, the papers went wild. Like, the newspapers went wild in Ireland. And there I am, splashed all over the front of the newspapers. So people in, like, the UK and Ireland, you know, the thing was you go to the the, the local store, the local shop on a Sunday and get your, your morning newspaper and bring it back and sit down, have your breakfast and read the paper. And there I am, splashed all over the front page. Um, and it, it was because it was very shocking. I think for Ireland to be like, 
this woman is scandalous. She's come. She's made all these men like she's took them in and made them all, you know, all these sins. Corrupting our youth. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. And I'll tell you now, you had to apply. You had to see it. You had to apply for it. You had to turn up for it. You had to sign the paperwork for it. You had to be willing for it. You know, I didn't literally go out there with like a big net and be like, I'm dragging you in. These guys come very willing, very oh, willing sure. indeed. And um, I, I think it was just shocking for, you know, it was, it was a big deal in Ireland at that time. Um, for me, I was kind of scratching my head, but then I realized, you know what? It was like an opening for people in Ireland to start talking about sex. I was like, mm. very, very hush, hush, you know, brush under the carpet. Ireland's a very religious, very religious country. Um, and, you know, the, the Catholic faith is very strong. It's, 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 it's a very strong faith, you know, especially in the older generation. And to come in and, you know, religion and sex don't necessarily go down well for some people. And it was, you know, that makes that, oh, someone can be religious and oh, oh and then they having sex or well, to be honest we all have sex just some people do it on camera and some people don't do you think it was also because you were a woman but they maybe they were jealous of me <laughs> a beautiful you know, woman but you know what I mean like a woman going out and like um you know enticing men you know, there's, I mean, you know, we come across this so often men can go and sleep with a lot of women and it's like considered, you know, oh, like you're a stud and, and it's, it's glorified. But, you know, if a woman does it, um, especially if she does it kind of from a place of power, then there's a lot of controversy around that. So, I mean, basically, do you think if a man had gone out and done the same movie, do you think it would have had the same reaction? Like a man went out and had sex with a lot of women in Ireland? That's an interesting question. I, honestly, I, I don't know, but um, I think sex on Ireland would have been controversial either way. So right. whether it was like, you know, that shameful woman, whether it was because I was a woman and, you know, I, I, I guess for some people seeing a woman with a lot of power is mm -hmm. kind of unnerving. And mm -hmm. it's the power that I had in my hand to entice these guys to come in. It's like that forbidden fruit, isn't it? Like yeah, I feel like yeah. one of those beautiful queens that goes out and it's like, hey, has the apple with the poison on? But but it wasn't really, was it? It was like, is the icing on the cake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Tanya's PR company. We're going to talk about Tanya's podcast, MILF's Making Money, and what advice that she may have for new performers coming into the industry. So hang tight, we will be right back. We all know Adam and Eve is the one-stop shop for everything sexy. And now with my code Holly, you can get any one item for 50% off plus 10 free gifts. And you'll even get free shipping. So spice up your sex life at adamandeve.com, but only if you use code Holly. All right, guys, we are back. So Tanya, on top of performing, you've also done some directing as well, and you have your own PR company. So tell us a little bit about these other side hustles that you do. 
I mean, so the the directing um, that really came as a great opportunity for me. I was, you know, being in. I was casting a lot of different movies, and one of the companies brought me into the office and they said, you know, Tanya, we we believe in you and we want you to direct some movies for us. And I said, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, um, but then I realised actually I've been I had been directing my own. Um, mini my own mini movies if you like for my website tanyatate.com whereas I was shooting a lot of content um I did do something called the Tanya Tate Casting Couch which was kind of like a bit of a playoff from the Tanya Tate Sex Tour of Ireland and Tanya Tate Sex Tour of Scotland which I, I also did um but it was inviting fans to to come and try out on the Tanya Tate Casting Couch so I thought you know actually I've done directing in a in a indirect way um, so it was Philly Films and they um, offered me to make some movies and I made quite a few movies for them. Um, Le- Tiny Tate Lesbian Family Affair. So it was what it says on the tin. It was threesomes in different family, you know, not really family. Um, step family. Step, step family, yeah. Let's just say step mm. family, of course. You know, everybody that's in the movie, none of us are related. We're all over the age of 18, blah, de, blah, yeah. de, blah. But it was that taboo where it was like, ooh, family, hidden relationships. And it was like little scenarios and little twists and obviously a lot of sex. Um, so that was great. I kind of got to choose the women in the movies, you know, milfs, um, young, young hot girls, again, over the age of 18. Um, so it was kind of like, I felt like a bit of like a kid in a candy store and, you know, I could be in some of the movies or I could be directing the women. And it, it was really nice um, to get to like kind of play out some of my fantasies. And also, you know, for the, for the women coming in, the girls and the women coming in to have a woman, you know, you know, there's having a woman directed, it has a different feel for it, Holly, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to like a guy is like, Oh, get in there, get in there. Whereas a woman, we, we, understand what it feels like for a woman to be made to feel good like no man can ever know what that feels like so I, I always think it's like it's and for me it felt like more sensual and more real um mm. I also um shot some scenes for penthouse as well that went onto their website so that was quite exciting um so that was kind of like my first step into directing yeah and then uh, how did you get into PR? So for me, the PR company, when I was in England and I was looking to come to America and I was looking for a publicist, um, I had some friends in the adult industry and I said, you know, what do I do? How do I, you know, help get my brand to be made bigger? You know, and this person that's just coming in, there's all these people already established. So PR for me was a tool that I wanted to use and I was recommended Star Factory PR to um to you know use their services, utilize their services. So I started using Star Factory PR um and an opportunity come up um for me to take over. It was originally it was originally um set up by Mike Mars and Monstar PR and they kind of built it up. Um and both of them, at one point, both of them ended up um, doing PR for Digital Playground. So it was at that point that I kind of come on board and I kind of took over with an assistant and kept Star Factory PR up and running um, 
until Monster PR come back. So we're kind of co-owners now. Um, so that's how we come up with that opportunity. So for me, it was really nice to be able to be able to help other performers as well, you know, with brand and brand recognition, getting their names made bigger. You know, PR, people think, oh, yeah, I'll get PR. I'm going to get famous overnight. And, you know, sometimes I have meetings with people and they're like, yeah, I want mainstream coverage. I'm like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's so special about you? Why are the mainstream going to be interested in you? And people don't realize it's not just, you don't just click your fingers and, you know, you get mainstream coverage. There's, there's different things that our clients have had mainstream coverage over. Um, but it's not just, hey, I make adult movies. You know, there's got to be something else that is mm-hmm. is, is going to be there. And it also involves a lot of hard work on the on the for the performer. You know, oh, we're going to come, we're going to get PR. Well, actually, you're going to get interviews. So interviews are going to take time. You know, you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to, whether they're written, whether they're, you know, spoken, video, you know, different in-person interviews, you've got to put that time aside and that commitment. And I think, you know, people that come to us at Star Factory PR are serious about their career and serious about taking it to the next level. And they're smart as well because they know they need something extra. You know, there's only so much you can sit there and, you know, blow your own trumpet. And, you know, some people, it's not natural to blow your own trumpet. Um, mm. There's only so much that you can do without having someone behind you saying, hey, well, you know, what things have you been up to? Let us talk about this. Let us do press release on this. Let us let the the reviewers know. Let us let, you know, the people that are there that are looking at the award nominations, let us tell them about the things that you're doing. So it's having someone that's out there looking for opportunities for you you know, mainstream opportunities as simple as building up the contacts and, you know, hey, I've got this mainstream media website that's asking for quotes and suddenly there you are with a quote on a link to, you know, your Twitter or your Instagram on a mainstream website. So mm-hmm. it's it's about someone who's, who's going to be there to look out for you to help with opportunities. Yeah. And then do you help people put uh, like press kits together. Cause that's the one thing that I find when I interview a lot of performers that they don't have any photos of them. <laughs> they don't have like any information on them. They don't have like, um, I mean, I always try to tell people and I have one myself, like you need a press kit, um, basically a bio, some photos. Um, what kind of things would you suggest to people that they maybe have on hand should they get the opportunity to do a podcast or an interview or whatnot? Um, you know, for us, every one of our clients, we put together like, like a little mini press kit. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've had our clients on you. We put one of our clients on you um, since age. She was yeah. recently. So, you know, for me, I, I was helping facilitate that. It makes it so much easier you know, to have mm-hmm. somebody there that you can go backwards and forwards to, to to set up the date and the time. And for that, you know, we have a, a bio on file. We have a list of our hair links. We have a folder that's got images in. And we also have a list of talking points as well. So, you know, we put it down there. Even for me coming on today, you know, you, Holly, your assistant said my talking points. It, she's had my yeah. bio. It's like, here's all the things that, you know, you can it's going to help you with the interview mm-hmm. so you've got it all there and also it's it's good as a like a, a reminder you know 
I've got my little list sitting next to me. I'm like, make sure I tell tell Holly and the, the listeners about like all the different platforms and all the different things that I want to talk about. It's like a little list of, you know, reminders that these are the things that I want to talk about. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit of helping prepare both the interviewer and you as the person that's being interviewed, a reminder to to make sure that you talk about the things that you want to promote. Yeah. When you um, see performers who are trying to market themselves, get their names out there, what's one of the biggest mistakes that you see? You know, you can do a lot of good marketing for yourself. You, you really can. You know, there's some people are really smart and they're really great on social media. They're very interactive. Um some of the mistakes that I see people do, um, things that I really frown upon, um, it, it just doesn't sit well with me. People that cause drama on mm-hmm. social media, you can really see like inside somebody when you see them arguing openly, being mean on social media. And some people might think, oh, drama, I'll get all these followers. Well, you might get all the followers. But for me, that doesn't, I just don't think it's it, if that's the kind of brand that you want, like a mean person, that's just like a bitch to everyone. Yeah, sure, go ahead. But for the majority of people, I I I don't think that that's a good fit. So, you, you know, just knowing that when you're online, people are watching you all the time. They're watching what you're saying. Um, and it's going to reflect somewhere. You know, I've had people and they've come to us and you know if I look on their social media first and see what kind of person that they are mm-hmm. and if I look at some of the things and I'm writing and I'm like that just doesn't feel right with the Star Factory brand I won't take them on as a client and you know sometimes it, here's the thing you know you 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 never know when you're going to need someone so you know if you're like really mean to someone or a company and then later on, it's like you get an opportunity. Well, suddenly that opportunity could be taken away from you from something that you did in the past. You know, yeah. I honestly, I've had people that are just being like really horrible or nasty. And then like my friends going to interview them. I'm like, nah, <laughs> you sure you yeah. want to interview them? No. I have to agree with you so much on that. Um, you know, you say as a, as a, PR um, publicist that you look at their social media and that helps you determine whether or not you want to take them on as a client. And I will say as a producer, I do the same thing. You know, if I see somebody who's rude and aggressive and attacks, you know, other people online, like, I don't want to work with you. I don't want that energy on my set because there's a lot of amazing, beautiful girls who are like really positive, wonderful, professional people. Like, why am I going to hire you? You know, um, it's just that nasty attitude does not get you anywhere. And I, you know, I don't, I think people should express, I think there's a way to express yourself online. You know, um, I'm, I'm particularly interested in guests. If I see that they express that they're perhaps unhappy with something or there's something that they wish that they could change or they disapprove of something, there's nothing wrong with giving your opinion online as long as, you know, it's in a kind of respectful and professional manner. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong either with like, you know, talking about maybe if you've had a bad day or, you know, cause we're all human. And I think that that can, um, people can emphasize, 
empathize with that, not emphasize, (laughs) empathize with that. Um, and that can open up a a connection with your fans, but I agree that that nastiness and, you know, I saw a lot of that in quarantine. I think like a lot of people were just going stir crazy and they were stuck at home and they were afraid and they were angry. And I saw some like nasty, nasty, um, you know, behaviors come out of performers that I had previously really respected and, um, you know, it changed my opinion about a lot of people. It, it, it does, you know, there, there is a way, you know, if you have a difference of opinion, there is a way to express yourself. Um, and, and I guess mm-hmm. it's like the way that you express yourself, you know, the, the way that other people are going to see you. So just remember when you're marketing yourself online, it's whatever you do, whatever you write, it's, it's there, it's always out there. And even if you delete it fast, someone's probably screenshotting oh yeah oh yeah they definitely have so tell us about your podcast milfs making money what is uh, that about and what kind of guests do you have on so my podcast tanya tay presents milfs making money it kind of started um during you know the, the lockdown the quarantine and um there's a lot of you know it was kind of stressful for all of us and in different ways, you know, we wasn't, we, our lives were restricted and changed. And from there, it, it's, you know, how are you going to get through this? And for me, it's a lot of positivity. You know, you've got to refocus your mind. You've got to think of all the opportunities, not woe is me. It's it's looking at like seeing things in a different way. You know, we, we did, we had to change our work practices. We had to change our lives to accommodate things that were out of our control. So I think for me, it was it was kind of come where, you know, I'm like, I can't, I, I just don't like seeing drama online, all this negativity. And I, I, I really wanted to just give something back to people. And also, you know, sharing ideas for the other content creators. Um, I was a host of Vivid Radio for seven years, which is on Sirius XM. And that was great. That was amazing to just have an opportunity to be on air every week and you know speak to the fans you know in a in a different way they could call in it was like a virtual jerk off um so for me it was kind of like a little bit of a continuation of well you, you could see at some point vivid was going down the, we were off air for quite a long time because of course you couldn't do in-person things so it it was just the opportunity and the idea come up and I kind of ran with it um, so milfsmakingmoney.com and I got a, a podcast team to come on and help me. So it's syndicated on all the platforms like Apple, Audible, Amazon, Spotify, all, all the main ones, probably all the places. If you are listening to this podcast right now with Tanya Tay on Holly Randall's <laughs> podcast, <laughs> go into that search bar and search Tanya Tay presents Milfs Making Money. And I'm probably on the same platform as well. So yeah. so go over there and give it a listen. So the guests, you know, I like to choose different guests. And it's all about sharing ideas. You know, how can, you know, all the content creators make money? And it's not just, hey, you know, I'm an OnlyFans. Like, hey, you know, here's another person. I'm on OnlyFans. Well, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? I'm on OnlyFans too. And I'm Tanya Tate. And I'm also on Sex Panther. Um, so it's it's coming up with a different angle each time um just just to give like different advice 
so other people that are listening can be like hey you know I never thought of that or that's a great idea or it's something that just giving them tips and reiterations you know we have covered different things from why you should need a lawyer and um dealing with fakes fake profiles online and you know using youtube and um helping with different branding and mental health awareness and this there's so much you know um i've got things coming up you know how can you become a, a webcam model you know the, the basic steps of getting into it so there's a lot of different things um and i'm also open to ideas so if any of the fans are like you know what tanya you should discuss this during you know your podcast or if you've got ideas you know you want a specific guest on and there's a good angle that i could get on it i'd, I'd love to hear and mm-hmm. for me having a having a, a different input from the fans you know um i also have something where they can leave a voice note so speakpipe.com slash tanya tate is a place where the fans can go they can leave feedback they can ask a question and i choose my favorite ones and so they get to hear themselves on my podcast so it's like, who am I going to so choose cool. this time? That's a great <laughs> idea. I do like Q and A's in my live streams, but I just read them out loud. But you're right. Cause some people do like to, you know, hear their voice and then you can kind of have a little bit more of a connection with them if you hear them talking. So I might, I might steal that idea from you, Tanya. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I see you with a speak type account, Holly, I'll be like, Holly, leave me a voice note and you'll be like, Tanya, leave me one. I'll say, okay, <laughs> deal. <laughs> deal. It's like, let's see, what's my chosen voice note of this week? Oh, it's Holly Randall. Let's hear what Holly's got to say. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great, that's a great tip. I've, there's so many like little things that you can do, um, uh, you know, in, in content creation, that's, that I'm constantly learning about. Like, so does your podcast, is it, is it just audio or does it go out on YouTube as well? Holly, here's the thing, right? I really know that it should, I should go up and do a video and, and I should get the guests to to like get ready here and makeup. I mean, I'm here and makeup ready for you today, Holly, but honestly, it's like, it's, Here's here's the deal. I'm a mom, so I have to get up. I have a child. I have a four year old little boy, and he's high energy. I put the makeup down on the table. He's picking up the brushes. He's trying to put the makeup on my face. Here you go, mommy. <laughs> Everything that he sees me do, he wants to do. So so you're trying to battle with a four year old. So then by the time you've got him out of the house, then you then it's the time to do the hair and makeup, you know. And then it's like, okay, when's he coming back? Because now we're on hours. It's like minutes. He's going to be coming back soon. So you've got to get it all done within that time scale. Mm. And also when you're setting up the podcast, you know, I've got myself that I've got to accommodate the time. I've got my guests that I've got to accommodate the time. I've got the web, the the podcast team. So it's it's kind of setting it all up. And I keep saying, oh, at some point I'll do it. But it's just, it's extra work. It's like an extra hour of time that I've got to find so as well as prepping the podcast and, you know, I, the morning of when I do the podcast, I do like my own little intro, you know, it's not all just the guests, a big, a massive chunk of it is the guests, but I also talk about my week and, you know, some little just 
food for thought, a little positive thought for the, mm-hmm. for the, you know, for the show that you can kind of refocus on. So it, everything takes time. So I keep saying, oh, soon I'll do it. Soon I'll do it. I guess, I guess if I could sit there in my pajamas and sunglasses, we'd be sorted. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't have to do the makeup. I could just tie my hair back. And I always wear pajamas in the house. Like, Couldn't you like, just get one of those like crazy Snapchat filters that like make you not look anything like what you look like and just do that? Maybe like some prince, a Disney princess cartoon character. Yeah, there you like go. The big lips and the big eyes. I'm like, here I am. I'm ready for my podcast. No makeup. You know what? The eyelashes sometimes flick onto your hairline. <laughs> to be honest, like the way technology is going right now, and we're actually seeing this. I'm everybody. A lot of people know I'm working on a startup, um, the first erotic metaverse. But you will be able to eventually create your own avatar that that looks like you like these kind of they're even like a step beyond avatars they're like digital humans and i promise you tanya one day you will be able to do that and you won't have to put your makeup on so your day will come i also want to say that i never understood the difficulty of time management with children until i had a child so i totally understand how you feel like i did not get it you know when people were like i'm a mom i don't have time like that never registered. And I was like, you can find time. You can like this. It's not that hard. Like just make the kid play in the corner. There is absolutely no way I can't get anything done with my toddler around. I mean, I'm on my laptop and she just hits the keyboard. She grabs the screen. She pulls it in. If I'm on a zoom call, she steps in like this and she goes, hi, hi, hi. I, I, and I, like, I can't get rid of her. Like I can't, she will not go sit in the corner and play by herself. So I just want to say that like, I, I feel you and I totally understand and I get it. I get it. It, it is, it is really difficult, you know, from being a mom, like my, my son's four, he does go to preschool, but it's only like, it's only a few hours a day. It's not a, re- <laughs> it's not a school day. It's like literally just, it's the mornings. It's, so you're trying to get everything done as well as get yourself up and get ready. And when do you work out? Because trust me, I can't work out while he's there either because he's in my face. Yeah. He's pushing things in my face. I have to keep stopping. But for me, it's like, you know, being a mom and then suddenly it's like, um, what am I going to do? How am I going to keep in contact with the fans? So I started actually live streaming when he was literally a baby. I would live stream every day from my kitchen because that was the only time that I could keep in touch with the fans it was on a YouTube when he's sitting in the, he was sitting in his high chair and I was literally feeding this baby that could hardly hold his head up I'm like here I am and it would be screams and all so people have seen him progress from like that little six six month old baby to like being you know four years of of us there so we do um live stream like once a week on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tanya Tube. And I also am on Instagram. So we Instagram live. It's simultaneously two, two, um, two live streams, instagram.com slash Tanya Tate XO. And um, so we, we simultaneously, he's so loud. He's full of energy. So it's, it's kind of giving people a different side. And I don't, I do not wear makeup during them. I do not. It's yeah. just like you get me as I am. And some days you see the tired face and mm-hmm. some days you see like the really happy face. And <laughs> it's just like, and when it's the tired face, you're like, ah, oh, I'm trying to look like I've got loads of energy. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. But you don't use it as an excuse. You just get on there and just do it. But it's, it's a lot yeah. of fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely relate. Um, it, having a kid is hard, but it's extremely rewarding, but it's hard. Right. And uh, right. it's something that I don't think anyone really understands until they experience it. So, um, so before we wrap up, I just want to ask you, um, I want to, first of all, make sure I get these questions in from my Patreon members. Um, if you're a member of my Patreon, you can submit your questions um, for my guests and they will answer them during the interview or in a special bonus Q&A, depending on how much time we have. Um, so not Marky Mark wants to know, Tanya, what is your guilty pleasure food? Guilty pleasure food. Oh, do you know what? It used to be white chocolate chip, macadamia, co- cookies, oh, oh sugar wow. and white chocolate. Just gorgeous. Um, but I had to change my diet. Um, I was diagnosed with chronic, chronic Lyme disease, which is kind oh, of wow. like it's, some people don't believe it exists, mainly in the insurance companies. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. It, it's, yeah. So I realized, long story, um, cut it short, I realized um, food was a trigger um, in inflammation in my body. So I had to cut out all kinds, sugar, gluten, um, a lot of animal fats, gone organic. It's more about clean eating. So ugh, I, I haven't had a white chocolate chip macadamia cookie for a long time. One day, one day, maybe in your dreams. Um, And then I just want to acknowledge um, Danny, one of my favorite uh, and long-term fans. Um, We did already answer his question, but um, just to acknowledge Danny, I see your question. You wanted to know um, what the sex tour of Ireland and Scotland was like. And uh, we answered that. So thank you, Danny, for asking that question. And then, um, Tanya, I guess one of my last questions for you is being a, a very successful veteran performer. Um, what is one of the biggest misconceptions that you see people have about porn stars? One of the biggest misconceptions. I think um, people think what it is on camera is what it's like in real life. Um, I think that's like a really big misconception. Um, it, I have to. I, I want to talk about um, a little bit about like the change from being a studio performer to being a performer for the fans. Mm-hmm. And you know, on a studio, you know, we go in there. It's all you know told what to do. This is how you need to do it. Blah blah blah. But the change is like now. It's it's like. That is not how it really is in real life. I think now we've gone more to how it is in real life. You know, I have an OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash Tanya Tate. And I'm also on Sex Panther, um, sexpanther.com slash Tanya Tate. And they're the two places that I use to kind of keep in touch with the fans. And I like that I can now give like a real, like a real time kind of view of what it's like. Um, I... It's solo stuff that I've been given, I've been given the fans, you know, so I literally just turn the camera on and you capture whatever happens. You see me without the makeup, you see me with the makeup, you know, and it's, I I literally set the camera there on the stand and, you know, I do different scenarios, a lot of the mummy, the mistress. Um, So for, for the fans, I think the misconception is, is like sex is like that polished up version that you get from the production companies well 
it's not really, you know, I prefer to say that sex is more about what I like to do on camera, you know, the the way that I'm given that that instant um excitement for the fan and it's 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 more directed towards them, you know? Make them mm-hmm. make them feel I, I want the fan to be part of the excitement when they're watching it as opposed to someone's telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely more of like a personal connection with the fans on these various social uh, content platforms, like you said, OnlyFans and Sex Panther. And by the way, I would also just like to point out that um, you can tell you come from a PR background because <laughs> when you mention that, you're like, and here's the URL, which by the way, is so smart. <laughs> and I should actually, I should pick up, I should pick up on that because I don't, I don't really do that. But that, that seems like a good habit too for me for me there holly it's like and now now i'm going to tell you something where i've just crossed the line where i'm like oh yeah those social media platforms the premium social media i've got to tell you because probably some of the fans are probably this is something you didn't ask me but they're probably curious you know we've spoken about Mm. me making the movies and you know the production companies and you know now i'm i'm doing all you know the, the video charts and the phone calls and the texting and the sexting and you know the little video clips that the, the fans can can get from me on my sex panther and only fans but i stopped shooting you know i had a baby i stopped shooting and then kind of coming back from having a baby kind of getting back on camera it's it's like it's nervous you know you, you you're nerve-wracking and it's it's i have to say i really appreciate the fans that they've been there with me along the journey you know from looking at me in the YouTube sitting in the kitchen with a screaming kid. So like now it's me, you know, being there for me when it's when the traffic, all my fans, the, the only new stuff they can get from me is is on the premium social media platforms. And I was really excited to give them something that they were asking for. It's like me coming back, doing scenes with another girl. Um so I did a scene with Phoenix Marie that's exclusive for our premium social media platforms. So that was like my first girl girl scene after five years of nothing um so right now you know i'm contemplating do i do something a little bit more i've literally just shot a strap on scene um with a guy you find out different things that the fans really like to talk to you about a lot of my fans like um the 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 mummy mistress you know asking Mm -hmm. anything of them whether it be the strap on type of scenario um so i've got a brand new strap on scene coming up and I mean, I'm going to tell the fans, I'm really contemplating doing a scene with another guy, a full, full on sex scene with another guy. And it's not mm-hmm. going to be for a production company. You know, we we are controlling, you know, us, the, the stars, if you like, we're controlling where, where the fans can see us. And I'm seriously contemplating doing something with a guy if the fans are going to really show their appreciation for it. So, hey. Yeah. I mean, it's a new world, you know, and, and this was all kind of starting before COVID came along and shut down production for a while, but it really ramped up then. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen the same thing, like the industry has changed and performers have changed and their priorities have changed and they've found that, you know, they can be independent content creators and they can make money. And the power is, is in the hands of the creators, not the big production studios and you know and I work for those big production studios and they're great but you know it's there's something about being able to create and produce your own content which is super empowering 
And if you can, you know, survive financially off of just that, like more power to you. And I can see why that's the route you would want to go. It's it's great. I just I just love still being in contact with the fans and then giving them what they want. You know, um, they know what I do and they ask for the mm-hmm. things that I do. So it is. It's very empowering. And of course, it's like I'm like their mummy mistress, and it's I'm I'm very mothering to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can I can be I can be very loving, very romantic, and I can also be a little bit mean to them if they if if they ask for it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But I mean, it's funny because in those like situations where you're being mean, quote unquote, you're still taking care of their needs, right? Because that's the, a need that they had, they wanted okay. met because they asked you for it. So it's like a different kind of, <laughs> you know, you're still giving them what they want. So it's, it's interesting. Tanya, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, can you tell everybody uh, if they didn't catch your um, URL plugs where they can find you online? Make sure that you follow me on Twitter because I'm very active on Twitter. I'm verified at Tanya Tate. Instagram, it's, um, they took away my verified account. Please. <laughs> it was almost 3 million. They took it away and I can't oh. get it back. So I started a new Instagram, instagram.com slash Tanya Tate XO. My podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com. And of course, if you're listening to this on any of Holly Randall's platforms right now, just go into that search box and search Tanya Tate, Milf Making Money, and give my podcast a listen. I'm on OnlyFans, Sex Panther at Tanya Tate. Both of them really easy to find. And of course, if you want to go to my YouTube channel, see me, um, what I get up to in the house, youtube.com slash Tanya Tate Tube, like, subscribe and turn on your notifications and thank you so much for having me and thank you to all the fans that are out there that continue to support me fantastic and you guys can find me at holly randall on instagram and on twitter and of course if you want to support this podcast and get early access to interviews and also watch them live plus behind the scenes from my shoots that you can't get anywhere else go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching wherever you are. And I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course, and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not safe for work website, hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash hollyrandallunfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can.